0: Well, the kids are going to find their way back out this way. Uh, kids, if you see your parents, parents, if you're here seated, you might want to kind of wave them to you. Well, if you can pay any attention to me at all, I'm going to continue talking while, <laughs> while, while this is going on. Um, it's a perfect introduction to how we want to begin this morning. Uh, we want to talk about the amazing ways that God is touching lives in East Asia, lives of East Asians through what he's doing here in our church body. And uh, one of the greatest things that's happening is right here locally. And uh, it's really through friendship, uh, like they were like they were sharing, like they were singing. Um, we have a number of ministries to international students uh, here at Grace Bible Church and in the Bryan College Station area because of the large number of students who are here. And uh, ministries like the Friendship Connection. on on Monday mornings where international ladies come and they study the Bible in English, they study American culture, and relationships are are developed and and the gospel is shared. Uh, We have an Asian Internationals Bible study that uh, takes place each Sunday morning and the the Wilkins and the Allens use uh, the Bible in English, Bible study in English to help teach and and train in English, but also, again, to share the gospel. There is the International Christian Fellowship that's led by the... um, the Marshalls and the Roberts, and uh, there's Bridges International uh, here on campus, and actually there's some folks from Bridges with us this morning out in the lobby. Various ministries that that reach out to international students right here. And and one of the greatest opportunities for each and every one of you, you don't even have to be a part of one of those ministries, is the Conversation Partner Program, uh, where you can just sign up for an hour or so every week or two uh, to sit down with your own international friend and, and share your heart. And let them share their heart with you and and develop a relationship and and, uh, just tell them about your faith. Great opportunities uh, to share with international students. And and in the course of years of that kind of ministry going on, uh, a couple here at Grace Bible Church, Andy and Sophia Chan, uh, noticed in particular, as many of us did, uh, that there was uh, a great deal of interest among East Asian people who were here at Texas A&M. And so the Chans uh, spoke Mandarin language and felt led to begin a Bible study in Mandarin language, which began as a Sunday school class, I think in about the year 2000, and uh, that has grown and grown with the number of students who come for uh, worship and teaching in their language, and now, this year, that will become the Grace Bible Mandarin Church. Enough families are staying here and, and being here long enough to form a core along with the students and, and God is really, really moving in that. And so we have a, an opportunity to celebrate uh, uh, in a small way uh, what God is doing through that group and uh, Dr. Jim, our friend who is uh, part of the Mandarin uh, Church at Grace, come on up Jim, uh, is going to, we're just going to give a little interview here and talk find out uh, some of what uh, what God is doing in the Mandarin Fellowship here. So, tell us what you can about your job and your family and um, uh, just the reason that you're here in Bryan
1: College Station. Howdy. Ni hao. <laughs> I, uh, I work at a and the associate professor. Uh, I uh, met my wife 15 years ago at the train station. We got married uh, uh, and, uh, you didn't get married at the train station. Uh, no, in the church. <laughs> in the church. Uh, we we have uh, daughters and uh, we live uh, just the house next to you. Cool.
0: Now, your family is a, is a Christian family, but tell me about your family of origin and the the faith background that you yeah, came from.
1: I uh, I was uh, I grew up in the East Coast, uh, in and in, in, uh, uh, my uh, parents uh, used to be atheist, strictly speaking, uh, though. I think in a subtle way, my father had a little uh, uh, ancestor worshiping. Hmm.
0: So, kind of a mix of uh, Spiritism and and, and atheism yes. as well. Yes. So, what pathway brought you, uh, you know, for your education and and just as your career developed? What what's the pathway that brought you to uh, to here? And how did you first hear the gospel
1: of Jesus Christ? Uh, I. Uh I grew up i largely as uh, you know the people called the elite students always uh, in the top but uh, the the first literally speaking uh, the first time I heard about gospel was in the radio i was in listening to the radio from uh they were but I, I didn't quite understand the salvation 'cause uh only thing I remember now is they were talking about uh, young men young women, and you know not touching each other but but <laughs> that, that was i was uh, thinking all the time at that moment <laughs> so that that,
0: that was Christianity. yeah then
1: I uh, came to the states in uh, 07 I, I went to graduate school in Illinois University of Illinois I had a uh, lab mate he uh, invited me to the church occasionally uh, and uh, to his uh, home also uh, that's the starting point I, I know I heard about Jesus in the, the gospel
0: the lab mate was uh, an American or
1: uh, he's American yes
0: okay, okay. so uh, what, what have you observed from your own life and, and from what you see here uh, in the lives of students, the impact that an English-speaking American uh, can have in the life of an East Asian person?
1: It is uh, tremendous, I would say. Uh, for me, uh, you know, it, it took me seven years uh, since I heard about gospel It become a Christian Uh, But I didn't become a Christian because I studied every book of Bible, or I'm convinced that uh, scientifically or reasoning that the Bible is 100% uh, correct. It is because I I see the lives of the Christians around me, a lot of Americans, uh, both in Illinois and here, and and that uh, changed me. Mm -hmm. And and that's how I become a Christian. And also here, uh, you know, when we came here, uh, my wife uh, started a uh, conversation partner, with uh, Carl Johnson and uh, a lot of students here I know in the student uh, fellowship, they had a conversation partner with American students. So the, the impact is tremendous.
0: So when actually did you become a believer? And, and uh, tell us a little bit about that, how the gospel touched your heart.
1: That was, uh, well, the, the, fun, the things fundamentally changed my mind. was uh, when, when I was graduating, I was looking for a job. I, I thought I would get one, because I was in a top school, in the top program, uh, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Uh, God worked in a mysterious way. I prayed. The only thing I learned from church, not, not, not the salvation of gospel, I learned how to pray. So the first time I prayed to God, and He answered me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that made me start to thinking, Wow, well, there, there might be a possibility there is a God." Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's a long way for me. but I came here uh, in three. Uh, then uh, um, one day I walked into uh, Andy Chen's office. I said, uh, I was a little bored here. Uh, you know, do you know a church? I can, we can go. Uh, so that's how I started uh, really to study Bible and learn the uh, gospel. Okay.
0: So you trusted Christ at what, what year? Was uh, that? In uh,
1: 2003, a year after I came here. 2003.
0: Yeah. I know you don't, you don't know all East Asian people, but, but what, what do you observe mm-hmm. about people from your country uh, both here and maybe at home as well, in terms of the spiritual climate and spiritual attitudes?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, From uh, what I see here, uh, it's, it's very polarized to see in China because there are old people, there are the lower class of people. Uh, They're they kind of desperate. So they trust everything. You, you teach them you, uh, any religion. They believe uh, all kinds of things. But for the young people largely, we are driven, uh, they are driven by the desire to be successful and uh, they want to make money, they want to make a good career. Also because of the policy, so the whole family, now a lot of you know, your, great, your, your grandchildren, your grandparents, your parents all look up to you. You have to be successful, so, so uh, I would say there's a huge uh, void uh, and, and people are thirsty for the spiritual spirit, and, uh, and uh, so that it's a big, a big, big field for, for us. Mm.
0: So initially the, the void of atheism, but now more so the, the emptiness of materialism I, is I think kind so. of a change taking yeah, place.
1: Yeah, that's my feeling.
0: In that way. Well, you started attending the Mandarin Church when again, was that? In 2003. 2003. 2003. Yeah. What, what's, uh, what has your growth been like? through What's the importance of a group like that for a person of one culture, to be able to worship and learn in their language and with people of their culture. Let's.
1: Yeah, it, it is, you know, for me, really, when I listened to the radio, when I, uh, when I went to the uh, American church, I think for a long time, I didn't quite understand the meaning of salvation. I just learned the Bible. But uh, with this group, uh, you know, people talk to you and, and you worship in, in your native language. That's really really helpful, and uh, also uh, just uh, you know for a lot of people, uh, my friend, my colleague, I have a colleague uh, in the department. One time, he told me that uh, he said, I, "I have Jim, I have no hope to become Christian, uh, but I want my children to grow up in, in a Christian uh, you know environment. So he would send his child children to to our uh, imagine worship, uh, but uh, of course, I told him never lose hope. There are hope." <laughs> Great. Well, um, okay, you,
0: you've been uh, maybe increasingly filling some leadership roles in the group, and, uh, and there are others as well who are stepping into leadership, and I know that we can uh, pray for you and the other leaders as that takes place. And uh, what, what are some other things that we could be praying for you personally and, and for the group as well?
1: Yes, uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm also serving as the faculty advisor for the Chinese Student Campus Fellowship. Uh, so uh, I would uh, like you to pray for me that I'll, I'll uh, glorify God uh, in my work and have the courage to share the, self, the gospel with my colleagues and uh, friends um, all over the world. Uh, and uh, for our church, we are looking for a pastor. And so pray uh, that God will choose and send his person come to us the mic down, I'd like to pray for you,
0: uh, pray for you right now, but you will join me. Father, we are, um, we're just so grateful uh, to hear testimony of the work of your spirit uh, in the life of our brother Jim and in the lives of so many others um, through the outreaches to international students and, and specifically through the uh, Mandarin Church here at Grace. And I pray for Jim, I pray for others like him who are serving on the faculty and are an influence uh, in the lives of so many others, I pray that you would be strong within him and within each of them. We pray for his uh, role with the student organization and that you give him wisdom and, and great leadership skill. Uh, we pray for him and for the other leaders of the Mandarin Church as they make important decisions about uh, the growth of that group as a church. And uh, we pray, Father, that you would provide uh, that, that person to shepherd this flock. It's going to be a, a, unique, a unique person with a unique set of skills, and you know exactly who that needs to be. And so we ask for your provision for that as well. Thank you for uh, an opportunity this morning to, to celebrate um, what you're doing uh, locally here and in the lives of so many. We give glory to you, our Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jim. Bless you. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we uh, are not only going to celebrate... And hear about things that God is doing here locally, but also over there, um, uh, right, right there in the country that we're speaking of. And just want to introduce for you to you for a few moments ways that God is touching lives there. Um, there are several workers from Grace Bible Church who are uh, serving in East Asia among unreached people groups. People uh, further to the western part of the country. Uh, when we speak of nations, when we saying of the nations, when the Bible speaks of nations, uh, we tend to think of color blobs on the map. Uh, but really it's speaking of, of ethne, of, of people groups, uh, culturally distinct and language distinct people groups. And there are many uh, of those groups in East Asia uh, which are still really unreached, untouched by the gospel. And uh, we have uh, a family who are serving as Bible translators, an all-important work of bringing the Scripture to people in their own heart language. And uh, there are folks uh, from Wycliffe Bible Translators here this morning uh, who would love to share with you about that all-important work that's something that's on your heart. Um, There's also uh, a young man whom we support who serves on a church planning team uh, in a a more remote area among one of these unreached people groups. We've had uh, a family recently returned to us who were were doing veterinary work uh, in the West among, um, again, uh, a more unreached group of people. So it's been exciting to see through relationships people sent from Grace Bible Church how God's touching the unreached. Also, though... uh, as you've noticed in our, in our publicity, our preparation for this week, um, we've, we've said 15 years of Grace in Asia, and that's in reference to a particular partnership, uh, a campus ministry partnership. It was 15 years ago uh, this year uh, that a, uh, a group of people from a campus ministry here at A&M who also were members here at Grace uh, went for the first time to kind of scout out the land uh, in a particular region of East Asia. And uh, that ministry has continued for 15 years, and our our partnership continues with that particular region. And there are students who go each summer on summer projects for six weeks. Uh, There are students who graduate and spend a year or two after their graduation serving in a more long-term, but still a kind of a short-term capacity. And uh, right now there's a team of about eight or ten of uh, just uh, Grace and Texas A&M Folks who are serving together on a a team for that one or two year stint, we call it, and uh, in a particular city, uh, KDEB is going to tell you a little bit more about that in a a little bit, but, um, and then out of those who serve for those one or two years, there are some who stay longer, and really a lot of longer term workers have come about um, because of this partnership. Partnership is mainly oriented towards reaching students. Because that's very important to us here as a church body. Uh, but it's, it's begun to reach beyond that because students graduate and uh, they start families and uh, become a part of the church. And, and uh, there's a need also to reach other, other people, uh, professionals and, and academics. And, and so we've begun in partnership again with our, our region, our partnership region there, we've begun sending um, uh, others. Older older folks like, like me um, who, who go and, uh, as professionals and as academics and they share in a different way and they touch a different, a different group of lives and it all kind of works together with the student ministry and God is doing some amazing things and you're going to get to hear about that. By the way, one of those teams of, of uh, professionals and academics is, is there right now. I got an email this morning that they're safely on the ground. Those of you who know the Neal family, Gabe and Stacy, and also Rick Larson. Uh, They'll be serving in the next uh, 10 days or so uh, in some remarkable ways. They're already busy. In fact, it's the end of their day now, and uh, they've had a very busy day today. Um, uh, Keep your prayers with them. We're going to hear some now, some testimonies about this. And uh, the first thing that you're going to hear is a video testimony uh, from one of our longer term workers. He's here as a student, was challenged to go as a student, and now he and his family serve there long term. His name is Matt. And uh, he recorded a little video greeting for you as he was walking down the street in his city, and uh, it's, it's a little, you know, sketchy on the video and everything, but it's really going to touch your heart. And then following that, I mentioned our partnership region, uh, the director of that region, the director of all the ministries in that region, uh, and our, our partner in ministry, he, his initials are KW, and we call him k because it's a lot easier to say. <laughs> KW is here with us this morning to share from his heart and from the word. And uh, so you're going to learn a lot about what God is doing. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it over now to the video.
2: Good morning, GVC friends. Hope you're doing well. Since I couldn't be with you for these few days, I thought I would uh, share a little bit as I walked along the street on this uh, rainy, snowy day. The mission statement of Grace Bible Church is to raise up next generation leaders to reach our world. And even though that's been your mission statement for just a few years now, I think, uh, it's really been at the heart of what you've been doing from the beginning. And especially within your partnership for this great country, uh, I've been able to both see it, observe it, also experience that commitment, as I'm one of those leaders that you poured into a long time ago. Unfortunately, I didn't really catch it until my last year of college. But God is sovereign and faithful and we trust that He is using each leader that you've been raising up over the years in a unique way in the place that He's put them. Where He's put me and my wife and my family is here in East Asia. We've been here nine years and over those nine years we've seen things drastically change. The street I'm walking on nine years ago Was just a horse cart, basically. Small little one-lane road that's become one of the major thoroughfares in one of the largest cities in the world. We recently shifted apartments. And when you do that, you have to go to the police station, register. When I was at the police station, I noticed uh, a sign behind the officer. It was exhorting the people to hope for, to wish for, a new wind to blow across this country. And I asked the officer, I said, well, what, what's, this, what's this new wind about? What do you want this new wind to do? And she said, well, there's a lot of things in our country that isn't so good. Corruption, other things. And we want a new wind to come, blow through, blow that bad stuff out. And we want to continue to develop uh, as a country. I finished my business at the police station, walked out, and as I was walking back home, I was really struck by that vision. vision of a new wind almost a prayer of the government, to see a new wind blow through this place. And as I was walking, God led me to consider John chapter 3. As you know, it was a dark night. Nicodemus, comes to Jesus. They begin a conversation about rebirth. And during that conversation, Jesus likens the spirit to a wind. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. But we can sense, we can feel its impact. And then Jesus says this, So are those who are born of the Spirit. As I was thinking about this new wind blowing through this country, affecting change, affecting transformation, I was more than ever convinced that that change, that transformation, comes from the Gospel, comes from the person of Jesus Christ, being blown through people's hearts, blown through countries, institutions, by those that carry the gospel. Those who are born of the Spirit. And in that same section, that same passage, Jesus continues, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And that's the message that we've been bearing here in this country, that you've been bearing across Bryan, College Station, Texas A&M, wherever the Spirit takes you. our prayer here is that we would see god transform this country the bearers of the gospel the missionaries being sent out from this from the body of christ here to the surrounding countries the surrounding unreached people groups and he's doing that that's what's incredibly exciting that over the nine year period the church is beginning to stand up even more We're seeing indigenous leaders stand up even more, take the lead, have a vision. And a lot of that has been fruit of your faithfulness. As you have stewarded your resources, as you have given sacrificially, with intentionality, with focus, with a perspective on the long term, things are happening. God is transforming hearts and the spirit is picking them up and blowing them around the world and that really is our heart that's really our passion as you celebrate many years of faithfulness I celebrate with you my wife celebrates with you we as an organization celebrate with you because it's a demonstration of his goodness to you and his goodness to others because you're willing to share that Because you are blessed, you've been a blessing. And we pray that God would continue to pour out his blessing upon you, that he would continue to grant you favor, both at home and abroad, that he would continue to raise up next generation leaders from within your congregation that would have a passion and a heart to be sent out, sent out to Moses Hall, that's where I lived, sent out to the Biochemistry Department. That's where I studied and worked. Sent out across America, across the world, wherever. The place can matter. It's a part of the specific calling, but the general calling is to love Him, love others, and represent Him to all. So we're praying for you. We're thankful for you. I'm really sad, sorry that I can't be with you, to share this in person. But know that we are standing with you in prayer, and we are greatly blessed because of you.
3: Howdy. Hi. It's a great joy for me this morning to be with you. Uh, it's my first trip to Aggieland. Um but so far it has been a tremendous trip for me. I heard so much about Grace Bible Church from the co-workers like Matt, which I saw the video just now. And a lot of many of you that went there for summer trips, summer picnics, summer projects. And it was really fun to be here myself. Um, especially this morning, we were able to celebrate with you 15 years of your partnership and involvement and investment you have put in into East Asia. So on behalf of the, my coworkers back in East Asia, a big thank you to all of you here. Uh, Let me quickly introduce myself by introducing you to the city that I'm staying in right now. It's a city of about 8 million people and the city is divided into half. On this side of the city, there is the colleges and a lot of the educational tertiary institutions It's on this side of the city. And on the other side of the city is where the commercial and the industrial parks are. And what divides the city into half is this river, a long river that cuts right through the city. So in order for me to get from one part to the other part, I have to cross a bridge, which you see up here. So this bridge was built in the 1950s, which was one of the famous bridges. It was actually the first bridge that was built across that river. So I don't like to cross this bridge. You know why? Because it's like finding a parking lot uh, on Sunday service. heavy traffic. So whenever I cross the bridge, it takes hours to cross the bridge from one side of the town to get to the other side of the town. So one of the night, one of the evening, I was trying to get back home. It's about 7-ish or 8 o'clock in the evening. It was raining. It was cold. Just like um, it's a winter, if I remember correctly. So we were trying to cross the bridge. I get on the cab. My driver was bringing me down. And so we hit on the beginning of the bridge and we realized, hey, you're going to be a fantastic ride because there isn't much traffic today. In fact, there's no traffic at all. It was dark. It was cold. And my driver was driving along, stepping on the accelerator, going very fast, speeding down. You know, in East Asia, there's no traffic rules. So you can go as fast as you can. So she's, he stopped staring. my driver stopped staring on, on, the, on the car, stopped moving down. And, and halfway through, I yelled, stop! Stop! And the driver was probably stunned by what uh, my, my, my yelling, and, and he's like, okay, stop! He brake, he stepped on the brake, and the car kind of skied a little bit, and we stop. We get out of the car, because I was shocked by what I saw right in front of me. Or what I did not saw in front of me. Because there's no road in front of us. The other half of the bridge is gone. I stepped forward at the edge of the bridge. I was looking down there, it's the river and the freezing water. The first thought that crossed my mind was like, wow, that was close. <laughs> but the second thing that came to my mind was a bit frightening. Because I'm hearing cars coming from behind. There are people that's coming. So I immediately turned around. I started, took out my jacket. I started waving and stopped. I said, stop! I was trying to get attention. My driver was stunned. He was standing there. I kind of kicked him and say, "Hey, do something!" <laughs> so he wake up a little bit, know what's happening. So he turned around and helped me together. We we climb on the 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 top of top of the, top of the uh, camp, and then we start yelling and try, waving and say, "Stop!" Some cars saw us, they stopped. But some cars just did not see us, or maybe they pretended they did not see us. And they just went past us into the river. At the time, I was thinking, I was standing there. I was like, how I wish there are more people, other than me and the driver, to be able to stand in one line and say, stop, that is danger. But there was no one. we were standing at the line, which was, to me, we were standing at the line of life and death. More so that we are standing in the lines of eternal life and eternal death. Because many people in East Asia know nothing about Jesus. So some of the cars that have went past, a lot of them have never heard about Jesus Christ himself. The good news is this. It did not happen. <sighs> but it could have happened. <laughs> you know, back in 2005 when, when the hurricane Katrina hit this nation, I mean, a lot of causeway and bridges were destroyed. And it could have happened easily. And I believe it happened in history before. Okay. This morning, we're going to spend some time looking at what Jesus responds the losses. Just like we are standing here on the bridge and some people might have fallen off the bridge into the river who never knew about Christ who never knew about Jesus. So before we turn to a few passages in the Bible let's begin with a word of prayer. Father we thank you for this morning and this morning Lord, we ask as we look at your scripture we ask you to teach us We ask you to teach us your word and connect our heart together to the greater mission that you have in mind. Thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is Jesus' response um, to the loss? Let me quickly summarize a few things which crossed my mind as I look at Jesus' ministry. And one of the first things is we can turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verse 1 to 7. It says the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus' teaching. This makes the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such despicable people, even eating with them. So Jesus uses his illustration. If you had 100 sheep and one of them strayed away and was lost in the wilderness, wouldn't you leave the 99 others to go and search for the lost one until you found it? And then you would joyfully carry it home on your shoulders. When you arrive, you will call together your friends and neighbors to rejoice with you because your lost ship was found. In the same way, heaven will be happier over one lost sinner who returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away from him. Jesus began to talk about this illustration because there are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who is not happy with him spending his time with the sinners and the tax collector. They were wondering, what is this guy Jesus trying to do? Is he trying to get some money from the tax collector? What kind of thing is he trying to do? Is he trying to gain some fame from spending time with these sinners? Is he trying to get himself more popular? And what was he trying to do? That was a question they might be asking. And all of us knew that other than the story of the lost, uh, lost sheep, you follow on with the lost coin and the lost son. And the focus of Jesus' ministry, especially with this illustration, it tells us that he wanted to engage with the lost. I think it's one of the trademarks of his ministry that was so distinctive throughout the Bible. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to look for people as I need to be saved. He came here for just one purpose, and that's to engage with the lost and bring the gospel to them. And a lot of times I look at this verse, I begin to ask myself the question as well. As I become a Christian for many years, I look around and look at my friends, and I realize that more of my good friends are believers. I surround myself with uh, the body of Christ, but a lot of times, I begin to realize that my circle of friends is lacking of non-believers. Whether it is spending time with my co-workers, time is time to spend with my family or with my friends, a lot of them have become believers. But I realize that I have lost touch with the laws. I have lost touch with people in the community, my neighbors who have not heard about the gospel. I lost touch with the people that I get to see at the grocery store every day. I lost touch with the people out on the street that have never knew about Christ himself. So many of us, as we become Christians for many years, we begin to lose touch with the laws. And these few days I was driving around in College Station, I realized that there are so many international students in this city. And I was so surprised to see so many people, Asian faces, um, and you know, so many people that was in this part. And this, Trust that the Lord has brought the world to College Station. And I was just amazed at the opportunity you guys have to engage with them, to strike a conversation with them, to share with them who Jesus is all about. That was the first response that I see in his ministry. That is that Jesus really engaged with the world. He spent time with the sinners. He spent time with the tax collector. Although he teaches in the synagogues, he teaches everywhere. But at the same time, he never forgot about those that have not heard about the gospel. Let's turn to another passage in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. Another familiar passage that we have been through. Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. If we look at the earlier verse in in 36, it says that Jesus saw the crowds of people. He had compassion for them because they were confused. Because these people Are sheep without a shepherd, without direction. They are helpless. If we would just stop there, it kind of paints a picture of pretty grim and um, it's just hopeless. But I'm thankful that Jesus did not stop there and say, "You poor souls, well, I felt sorry for you, but I can do nothing." He didn't say that, but he gave a glimpse of hope by saying the harvest is great. The harvest is great, not few, but the workers are few. So I think the second response that Jesus had called us or showed us in his ministry is to always be praying, praying for workers for the few. He asks us that we should be praying for workers, ask the Lord of the harvest to bring workers to the few. If you further read on in that chapter itself, we move on to chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. And he went on to give them instructions and he sent them off to the mission field. And that was their first mission trip. I think the Lord Jesus had not just prayed for them, asking for workers, but at the same time, he mobilized people to go out into action. Go to the mission field. He went out himself before. He went to towns, went to synagogue and teaching. And he mobilizes all these disciples, not just prayer, but you should go as well. I know that many of you around this room have made those trips before to different parts of the world or this nation to bring the gospel to them. So, not just us alone, but we can be mobilizing others and call them to be involved in the great work. So that was Jesus' response to the loss. The question for us this morning is: What is our response to the loss as well? From the scripture, it is very clear to us that the, that the Lord had want us to respond likewise as what He did. First of all, into the world, engage with the world. A few months ago, there was a lady in our ministry. She invited a lady, another lady, uh, to watch the Jesus film with her. So he invited her to her house as they were watching the Jesus film. And it came to the part when Jesus was having a meal with uh, one of the Pharisees, Simon. And then a sinful woman came to the room. And she cried and washed his feet with her tears. And he dried them up with her hair. Kiss his feet and put perfume on it. And when this friend of hers saw this sin, she cried. She cried nonstop. And she said this word I'm that woman. I'm like that woman. And when the words out from Jesus say a profound word and say, Your sins are forgiven. The friend of ours was, wow, that's what I need to hear. My sins are forgiven. You know what? Because this lady, she is working in a massage parlor. And I think massage parlor in East Asia is that, um, it's a place where some other indecent activities happen as well. So for her to be working in a massage parlor is a very shameful, it's um, something that you want to tell people that are working there. So she felt ashamed of what she does or what she makes make for a living. But when she saw that how Jesus forgive the sin of the woman, she felt the freedom in her. I said, yes, I want to trust Jesus. I want to believe in him. And after that, he, he quit her job. We set up a little business. She's earning about 2 to $3 a day, much lesser than what she used to earn. But she started evolving in the church. We didn't really get to know the whole story until the leader of the church came to us and said, could you give us 5,000 copies of that Jesus film? Because we want to use it for our outreach program. So they begin to share the story, how the lady had changed and how she served in the church and how her life testimony had transformed the entire church. So, because of one lady willing to engage with someone that considered as outcast of the society by sharing Christ with her, and how the Lord uses this woman to transform the entire church to willing to engage with the lost, that was just amazing. Earlier last year, in East Asia, a certain part of the country was really hit badly by a natural disaster. Millions of people lost their home. Millions of people lost their loved ones. Last summer, two summers ago, we sent one of a few, a few mission trip teams out there to help, to do some of the relief work. And we've partnered with some of the local churches that's so over there. So we get to know this brother. And he was helping and he decided that he's going to sell off his business and use all the money that he has to help with the children and the refugees by providing them education, by providing all the needs that they need so he keep on stay there for one year and helped them for that year. Just last summer, just this past summer, we sent another team back to the church, back to the same place that he was from. And we went there. We were amazed that there's about 60 or 70 people who are gathering every Sunday to worship the Lord. Before that, none of them know about Christ. It was through this brother that the time through the year because of what he has done, and through him sharing the love of Christ, people get to know him, get to know Christ. And when people begin to come to the church, the mayor of the town came to them and said, no, you have to stop this. You are creating problems over here. No, you have to stop. And what happened is that the rest of the administration of the village, of the village itself, came to the mayor and said, no, we are not going to stop. And you're not going to get this man out of our our village because he is a huge blessing to us. Through this year, we see comfort in the people because we knew Christ. And that was a testimony of a man who is willing to to sell off everything, step out of his comfort zone, and to be a blessing and to use use him and just say, Lord, can you use me to bless his people? So there are many people that's happening I just There's a lot of fantastic story I wanted to share with you this morning. But because of time, I had to move on. The second response I think we can be doing to the loss is what we have learned is to pray for workers. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, verse 2, when Jesus was trying to send the 72 to other disciples, he sent them on headwards in pairs to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. This was his instruction to them. He said, the harvest is so great and the workers are few. Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Again, he's asking us to be praying for workers. I'm going to give, show you a few slides, pictures of where I'm staying right now. This is a college town of 120,000 students and 30,000 uh, academic and admin staff. Um, it's pretty similar to a uh, college station. Maybe slightly bigger. <laughs> and these are the student dormitories. These are the college students. Um, I think it's during lunch hour, so they are on the street. We started a ministry there back uh, about three years ago in this college town. We have a staff team of about eight people. We're trying to reach out to 120,000 students, and there's about 12 campuses in the town itself. So one staff will probably have to take one to two campuses. And every summer for the last two to three from this congregation, you have been sending summer projects to us. And through that time, we get to know some of the people, some of the students that have become a believer. They come, it came to us and we are, so that our staff are able to follow through with them after you guys have left. And right now, they have about 60 to 70 students in the fellowship. So we have expanded, we have grown through the investment you have made to the trips they can make to us. And come to the point that we say we need to have a church for the student because there's no one uh, or no church in the area that able to embrace the students. So back earlier this year, in February 2009, this is our first student church that is established here. There is the congregation. And this is a children's Sunday school. And not just the student is involved, we begin to have some of the Christian lecturers involved with us as well. And the amazing thing is that right now, we have come to the point just last Sunday. They say, well, I think we have maxed out the place. We need to find another place for us for our, for our meeting. Or maybe we have another service. They are, right now, they're having two services, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So maybe we consider one having on the Saturday night or maybe on the Sunday night, I'm not sure. Or maybe we look for another place, another apartment for the service. So this there's a, another praying for one another in the small groups. And there are many of these college towns in East Asia. There's another college town which a team from GBC is reaching out to right now. They are a team of 10 people, I believe trying to reach out to 150,000 students, 15 campuses. I'm not sure how many thousands of staff are there, I mean the administrative staff. So we keep praying for them. I've been hearing a lot of neat stories from them and a lot of things, how they have changed and how things is, many students getting involved with them. So it's encouraging to hear what they are doing over there as well. So the harvest is really plentiful, but there are still thousands of students out there, millions of students out there that have yet to hear the gospel. In the region they were in, we have 406 campuses. And now we are only within reach of 40 of them. So that 90% of the campuses is still waiting for to hear the gospel and waiting for someone to bring the gospel to them. We have been trying to send as well. This is a picture of uh, two of the ladies in the, in the church who they are adopting to send to Central Asia. It's because of the summer teams and the stinters, short-termers that you sent to us, they came to know the Lord. And now, they, with that vision, the same vision that you had for East Asia, they have ventured out to some of the difficult parts of the world like Central Asia. Because of what they have seen in your life, because they have seen what you have done to, to help them, they now have moved out as well. So, the harvest is so great, but the workers are few. We need people. Is always a cry for workers. So he can be praying for us as well. And the last to be called others to go. We can be going or we can be mobilizing people to go on summer projects with us or even winter projects or sometime that we can be engaging with the laws. So, my dear brothers and sisters here at Grace Bible, the Lord has called us very clearly that is how we should respond to him to engage with the Lord, to strike a conversation with the people that around you, your neighbours, your friends, your classmates, or to be praying for workers, praying for the workers on the field. As I look at the corridors, and pictures on the wall out here of the missionaries I've been supporting. Many of them, I know their faces because they have been a blessing to me and my co-workers. We have worked together over the years together. And because of the prayer for these folks, You have a huge blessing and make a difference for many of us back in East Asia. You can be going as well. You have helped to pioneer some of the most difficult campuses with us. Because of the summer teams you've sent, because of the short termers you've sent, you had really made a huge difference and impact out from here, from College Station, out from Grace Bible. And lastly, I will end off with a real story, a real life story. (laughs) Not from Asia. But from Africa. Back in the 80s and 90s, there was a pastor in one of these churches in a village. And he has a, he has a passion to start a new church in the villages next to them. So he and his leaders begin to pray and fast about this, and they decided that they're going to have a mission, uh, mission focus or emphasis month. So for four weeks, they plan out how they should cast vision for the congregation. They begin to preach from the word to teach the importance of mission. And we come to the fourth week, the last week of the month, and there's a time where they begin to challenge the, uh, the, the member and say, "Will you give towards implanting this church? One well, is offering time. He saw the offering, back being, the offering back being passed through the congregation. And the pastor was just observing. And he, re- he realized that not many people uh, is giving so he began to worry. Huh, so without the funds, we're not able to send. And are we able to build the church? What should we do? So what he did was that right at the end of the, of the service, he went straight to the door, to the, to the exit of, of the congregation, and trying to wait for opportunities for him to speak with some of the businessmen in the, in the body itself. Or some of the people he knows that we're able to give. So he was waiting there and he was trying to talk to them and he was trying to challenge them personally. And he was engaging with them and he felt a tuck in in his hand and someone was pulling him. So he turned around and saw this little girl and he was like trying to say something to him. But he said, Well, you know, my dear, I I, I'm busy right now. Why don't you go and play with a friend? So he turned around and tried to engage with the this group of businessmen. And before he was able to engage with them, again, this girl pulled him again. He pulled him and this time the pastor was a bit frustrated. Well, I'm busy right now. Why don't you go and play with a friend? The girl, the little girl was a bit frightened by now. In fact, she, she was like, I just want to give you one thing. She was trembling. And she took out a little small bag and pass it to the pastor. The pastor took it. He opened up. There was lots of money in the bag. The pastor was amazed by it. Look at the girl and say, I know your family. You are poor. Where do you get this money from? You must have stolen it from someone. Or you must have did some bad thing to get those money. So the little girl was, was getting teary and she was like, no. I, I, I've been hearing what you've been teaching from the Word for this past month. And I want to be involved somehow in planning the church. But I'm poor. I have no money. I'm too young to do anything. So I thought that the only way I can do is to sow myself off as a slave so that I can give this money to you. And my buyer is waiting out there, waiting for me to go. And today, the church that was planted, they still have a statue of this little girl in their hall. We might not agree with what she has done, for sure. And this morning, I'm not asking us to sell ourselves you know, off as slave. But it's a time this morning to us to question ourselves, what is our response to what the Lord had taught us? Are we willing to engage in a conversation with someone that has not known about Christ today? Are we willing to be praying for the workers and pray for more to go as well? And are we willing to go ourselves for a summer project or spend a week there to encourage the workers that are there to visit them? There are many ways we can be involved. But what is our response today to what the Lord has called us? To reach out to the millions of people that are yet to hear about the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning that we are able to look at your heart for the loss. And Father, we are thankful for your grace and love for us that we're able to sit here, that we are able to experience your love through our life. And Father, we pray for those millions of people that's out there that have yet to hear about you, that have yet to hear about your love for them. So Father, we pray the Lord, for these people and for the workers on the field, I pray that it will encourage them when they felt they are lonely, when they felt the task before them is so huge that's beyond them. Father, we pray that, Lord, it is only you and through you alone we are able to see people coming to Christ. Thank you for all this and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: just share with you for a couple of minutes, so often we have these kinds of emphases and uh, once we go out those glass doors, it's so easy not to respond because life takes over and you get busy again. But I know God's tugging on each heart in a different way and I want to tell you about some ways you can respond this morning and you don't have to sell yourself as a slave, as he said. It's really relatively simple for us to be involved in a very profound way. He spoke of engaging in the world, being a part of the world around you. In your bulletin this morning, the middle column, almost at the bottom, how to become a conversation partner. There's an email address there. You send an email. Uh, Cody, who runs that uh, service for us, will, will touch base with you, and you can engage with an international student in your world right now and just share life and hopefully share the gospel. It's not difficult. He spoke of praying. Um, there are opportunities to pray. Mondays at noon, here at Grace, is a uh, missions prayer. Wednesday mornings, 7 a.m., at uh, Mugwall's Coffee, is prayer for East Asia. Wednesday noon, uh, the men's and the ladies' Bible studies conclude, and, and there's prayer at that time as well. Men's prayer meeting, women's prayer meeting, and a lot, of, a lot of prayer for missionaries. I have a feeling, though, there are a lot of folks in our church body still who are not personally connected with one of our missionaries. And a lot of our missionaries are here this morning. As you go out the doors here, there are going to be tables and there are folks with a variety of ministries. Just walk out there, pick a table, give them your contact information, give them your email address so they can send you prayer letters and you can pray. Engage personally in a personal relationship uh, with one of these folks. Cata will be down here afterwards too. I know there are folks from the the region that we've been talking about that would love to have you as a prayer partner. And then he uh, spoke of... Of going and calling others to go, uh, we're offering uh, a number of short-term opportunities that you can be a part of. We have a little vi- video presentation here uh, to tell you a little bit more about that, and then and then we'll wrap up in prayer.
4: It's the fundamental question of life: Who is Jesus Christ? Who is He? He's the Son of God. He's the savior of the world. He's the one and the only one who has died for your sins. He's the only one who can bring you a spiritual illumination, who can put your life in order. Primary purpose of the Great Commission has to do with the Lordship of Jesus as the King. One human being has the right to rule over this planet. We lost it all because of sin, because of our rebellion. We've lost it all, but we've got one of us who made it. And that's what the Great Commission is all about. The Great Commission is the commission to bring people under the Lordship of the King. If Jesus Christ has been given authority, the authority must be responded to by the people of His world. When He is established in His kingdom, there will be at His feet those kneeling in His presence, worshiping Him from every nation, from every tribe, from every tongue. And I want to be a part of it.
3: Jesus went... He did something he moved he left his comfort zone he got up and he went you see the eyes of Jesus saw the infinitely greater need in their lives Jesus felt compassion and if there ever was a day when we need to feel compassion on the crowds and on the lost it's today
4: the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations shall worship before you for the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations.
0: You can tell them uh, join us. You can join us for lunch today, find out more, or visit the website. Let's pray. Father, I, uh, I thank you for this day of celebration. Thank you for the meaning of it in the life of this church body. We thank you as a church for being able to be a part of Touching Lives and um, a part of the world that we would have otherwise known little about. I pray that for each person gathered here that you would not let them be comfortable with not responding. Pray that you would move on our hearts and that we'd be willing uh, to respond in obedience and joy. So we just make ourselves available to you this morning in the work of your spirit in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.